Hey, welcome back to the Addicted to Healthy podcast, your one-stop destination for all things health and a kick-ass life. I'm Laurence, certified nutritional practitioner and health coach and the host of the Addicted to Healthy podcast. So today I have Asia Dawn on the podcast. She is a women's empowerment coach and relationship expert, writer, speaker, and world traveler. After her divorce, she said goodbye to corporate America and started to travel the world solo, living out of a backpack, and now she uses Mexico City as a home base. Feeling cold to help other women, Asia used her international MBA and various coaching certifications to launch her own coaching business. So she takes women from heartbreak to purpose by helping them break free from their past, create space for healthy love and step fully into their power. So I am so excited to have you on the podcast, Asia. We've been friends for a while on Instagram, but uh, we've started working together a little bit and I just love your vibe. I love what you do. I've actually never met anybody else who does what you do. And I think it's so important and it's not something that we really talk about a lot of people are ashamed of this topic and things like that. So I'm super stoked for this episode and I'm so grateful that you're on the put on the podcast. Thank you so much for that introduction. I'm so happy to be here. I love having you in my life and I'm so glad that Instagram brought us together. Well, me too. So I always start off with asking my guests about their story because there's always something that happens that get you gets you to become a coach usually. Um, you know, there's usually something like shit hits the fan or there's some <laughs> trigger. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit about your story and how you became a women's empowerment coach specifically. Yes. So yes, there was a moment for me when everything changed. Um, I had just gotten married and then two and a half months into my marriage, my new husband told me that we had made a mistake to get married. And, you know, this was something that I didn't see coming. I was completely shocked and overwhelmed and really my moment, like everything changed in that moment. So we had been together actually for nine years before we got married. So I'd already been living with this person. Um, We already had a shared bank account. The really, the only difference I really saw was that we got married. Um, So once I started going through the divorce process, which took about a year and a half, I just started asking myself all these questions, like, there's got to be more to life than this. Um, How could this have happened to me? Kind of starting in that victim mindset, super confused, just really not understanding why a breakup like that could have happened. You know, we got married. Why was he taking it back so quickly? And during this time, I really just tried to focus on myself. Once I learned I could not control him and I could not save our relationship, I just decided to work on myself and I hired a therapist. I started meditating. That was when I started my spiritual practice. And I started asking myself, like, what is going to make me happy? What can possibly make me happy now? I'm feeling so low. And travel, travel has always been a big part of my life. And I remember that travel brought me so much joy. So Fast forward to once my divorce was finalized, I actually moved back in with my parents, started saving up money, and I quit my corporate job because my corporate job wasn't making me happy anymore. And it took this life-changing moment to be like, okay, why am I doing something that isn't fulfilling me? I feel like now I deserve happiness. Like I, I can't feel like this anymore. My job was stressing me out. I didn't find my purpose there. So when I quit my job, I bought a one-way ticket to South America. I started in Ecuador and I backpacked by myself, took the bus, local transportation, all the way up through Central America, finished in Mexico City where I now live. 
And the way I became a coach was someone asked me when I was traveling, like in Nicaragua, this girl asked me, hey, have you ever thought of becoming a life coach? And I said, what's that? I had never even heard of life coaching at the time. And she explained why she thought I would be good at it. And I realized I was already doing all this work. And it, that, in that moment, I was like, wow, this is a purpose greater than me. Like now I can use what happened to me and I can use it not only to heal myself, but to heal other women who are going through heartbreak, breakups, divorce, and help them create this new empowering life for themselves. Because now I'm living this life in my dreams, but I never would have gotten to this place had it not been for my divorce. So after that, I basically just um, hired a coach, did Gabby Bernstein training, and started my coaching business after doing some coursework. I love it. What a beautiful story. And I just love what you're doing and seeing you so happy now. So it really does make, I mean, our struggles really do make us better, even though in the moment it's just the worst feeling ever, but then there's usually a lesson behind it. So yeah, that definitely was a lesson for you. And then it brought you to your passion. Um, but I definitely wanted to talk a little bit about kind of healthy relationships versus unhealthy relationships, because I mean, there are some relationships that we're meant to be in and they just don't, I mean, we basically are meant to be, I guess, in every relationship because it either proves as a lesson or a blessing, right? Mm -hmm. um, but for some relationships, I don't know about your relationship with your ex, but was it healthy, quote unquote, you think, or did you see red flags? Like, I think some relationships can be kind of evolving and you can grow apart or whatever, even though they can be healthy, but then some are literally toxic from the beginning. So how do we kind of establish which one we're in, if that makes sense? Yes, this is such a great question because like I said, I was with this person for nearly a decade. Um, we got together in my 20s, um, but I didn't realize I was in an emotionally abusive relationship. I didn't know that I was with a narcissist until it was over. I didn't know. I actually thought I was in a really good relationship, partially because it was really all I knew. And the other part was of my story, um, just certain ways in my upbringing and um, certain events that happened to me along the way throughout other relationships put me in this relationship with a narcissist. And Obviously, that is not a healthy place to be in, and it's hard to know you're there until you've already kind of been there before. So I definitely recommend checking in with yourself um, and asking yourself, you know, are you doing, like what I was doing was I put him on a pedestal. I really wanted him to be happy. I was always kind of compromising and doing what he wanted to do, um, but he always made me kind of feel good about it, you know? He was very, very charming. Uh, no red flags from any one of my friends or family. No one said, don't do it. Um, but looking back on it, there were moments, I will say, when he proposed to me, for example, where I had this horrible feeling in the pit of my stomach, and I thought it was just nerves. I almost fainted before I walked down the aisle. I thought, <laughs> just nerves. But my body was clearly trying to tell me something. And if you can actually just stop and really, like now I know how to get in touch with my intuition. But back then, I was so concerned about being with someone, getting married, um, how he appeared to everyone else. You know, there wasn't anything that I knew that was going on, but actually in, on a deeper level, uh, I think there was a lot of infidelity. There was a lot of stuff going on that I wasn't even aware of. So 
No, I was not in a healthy relationship. Yes, I thought I was in one. So this could happen to anyone. And I really think it's important just to get in touch with yourself and listen to those signals. Like, do you feel sick to your stomach sometimes? Do you get super nervous or faint? Um, do you feel confused or overwhelmed? Do you feel like you aren't sure where you stand with someone? You know, I was waiting for him to propose for me and it took eight years. Um, there's just a lot of, it's different for everyone, but I would say a healthy relationship is when you can be your authentic self and you're respected and you're heard and you feel free to express yourself and just act exactly as you would um, with anyone else and all by yourself. And you're not trying to change for the other person. You're not trying to change the other person and you're not trying to please. You are good together and you're good apart. You're growing together and you have a similar vision for the future and you support one another. That's a big part of it as well. Totally. And so I have so much to say about this. So how old were you when you decided to go solo backpacking and just, you know, quit everything? 32. And I think this is also a big reason why a lot of people stay in toxic relationships, even if they actually realize that it is a toxic relationship. A lot of people don't, but a lot of people do. Mm -hmm. But it's also the pressure, right? It's like, oh, what am I going to do? How am I going to find somebody new? I'm too old, quote unquote, or mm -hmm. there's no good people left. They're all either have kids or they're divorced or they're all criminals or I don't know, you know, these kind <laughs> of these kind of excuses that come up. Um, and I think it can be really, really hard to, you know, break away from something that's toxic to you, but that's comfortable. And that is, you know, kind of regarded as the ideal situation, like being married, having kids, the white picket fence kind of thing. So props to you, because that takes a lot of courage. But I know that it can be very difficult. And some people can maybe not understand why certain people are in toxic relationships, but it's usually because of the comfort zone, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It is a comfortable place to be. Um, even though that might sound strange, like I never felt like I was in a toxic or an emotionally abusive relationship and things were really good. Like we had a lot of fun too, right? <laughs> I want people to understand, like it doesn't always look a certain way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They don't have to be physically abusing you either for it to be a right. toxic relationship. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think another thing that um, you kind of touched on is, basically attracting the same relationships over and over again are the same kind of people, the same situations are people kind of asking like, why does this keep happening? Is it in internally a problem? Are we actually attracting that? Yes. <laughs> okay. That's what I thought. Yeah. And so basically having to not jump from one relationship to the other and really focusing on yourself and working on yourself, I think is a really um, big component to actually attracting the relationships that you want. Uh, what do you have to say about that when you kind of attract the same relationships? Absolutely. So if you are asking yourself, why do I keep attracting this kind of person? I don't want this kind of person. Um, it's time to start looking at yourself and doing the work on yourself because there's a chance that you need to increase your self-worth. Do you feel deserving and worthy of a real love or are you really kind of afraid and closing yourself off to a true, deep, emotionally open relationship like I was, and you're calling in something that's maybe a bit more surface level, for example, or someone who doesn't have the emotional capacity to love you back because you're not actually ready to really feel all of that love. And that really comes down to our own self-worth. 
So taking a look at that, which can't always be easy, but it's really important if you want to call in the right kind of partner and have a healthy, loving relationship and all these things you desire, take some time to yourself first. Um, I took years actually before I started dating. Um, I had some like casual like hookups and things like that, but I wasn't ready to be in a relationship with anyone for a couple of years. And I took that as time to hire a coach, hire a therapist, um, and then take a good look at what was going on inside of me. And then, you know, cultivating a sense of worth and self-love and all of these things in order to then call in a future partner, someone that's actually healthy and right for me. So actionable steps would look like following your passion, doing things that, you know, you've been waiting to do, for instance, traveling, um, actually doing things by yourself, um, doing things that you enjoy. And then I think it's also important because there's a lot of work that you have to do by yourself, of course, but I totally agree with hiring help. Mm -hmm. um, I definitely needed to see somebody um, for years, but I was so ashamed. Like I was just like, I could do it by myself. I can figure it out by myself. But there's just so much we can do by ourselves. And there's just so much sabotage and everything that comes <laughs> up that you really need external help for. So I think it's definitely important to talk about this because there's a lot of kind of opinions and stigma around like seeing a counselor or therapist or whatever and it's just seen so negatively so I think hiring help is really really important how did it really help you and what what's your stance on that well I remember I went to a wedding and it was while I was going through my divorce and no one knew about it I was completely ashamed I didn't tell anyone in the first few months that you were divorced or, or that you were well, seeing somebody no, our process took like a, a year and a half from okay. the moment he said, basically, we shouldn't be together to when the divorce was finalized. So I was ashamed of my divorce and someone I saw at a wedding, she was like, where is he? Why are you here by yourself? I told her, she said, I know the perfect therapist for you. And I said, really? Like, I, I didn't even know, right? It was someone telling me like, oh, therapy would be a good thing. And she's a somatic therapist, which means you get into your body and it, it's not traditional talk therapy. And I said, well, this sounds really interesting. And I was completely open because someone suggested it to me. And sometimes it really just takes, like, even right now, you might be listening to this going, hey, I never really thought of that, but why not? And there's different kinds of therapy. There's different kinds of coaching styles. So just don't give up on the first person. I actually clicked with my therapist right away. And I went from seeing her weekly. And then we cut down. And now I see her every so often still because I believe in the power of therapy. I believe it's only helping you grow as a person and continuing. Because there's like new challenges that come along the way. Um, even as I date now, you know, I want to bounce things off her and make sure. I'm like, I don't want to go back to my past ways. I want to make sure like I'm like in a healthy relationship. And just having someone to talk that out with is so helpful. And it, it really does help to have that extra support. Yeah, totally. And it doesn't just involve like one aspect of your life. For instance, I was um, seeing somebody for eating disorder and disordered eating, and it literally really had nothing about, nothing to do about the food. It was about 
being fulfilled, finding your purpose, or mm -hmm. you know, relationships, or how I'm actually acting in the world, it's actually going to trickle into every aspect of your life, whether that be romantic relationships, non-romantic relationships, your career, how happy you are, etc. So yeah, I definitely think that it doesn't take like a trauma specifically for you to see somebody like you don't need to have that as an excuse i think everybody can really you know get some extra help because yeah life throws some stuff at you it's going to be challenging and having somebody who can really help you through that is so helpful yes and so i want to talk a little bit about um moving on from heartbreak then because this is obviously not something anybody wants to go through but how do we actually release because i think a lot of the time it's really hard to kind of actually let go and accept that it's over. It sounded like you had a little bit of that too. Mm -hmm. So how do we really actually let go and identify that we do need to release um, and then move forward from that? Yes. Um, you said it. It took me, I was in denial for a while and um, a lot of my clients come to me with resentment towards their ex and that's not serving them. That's definitely not serving anyone and moving forward. That being said, all of these feelings are healthy and normal. So you just need to remember that they're going to pass. So whether it's sadness, anger, whatever it is that you're feeling, learn how to embrace them and not numb out because what you resist persists. So these feelings will only come up again and again and again if you're trying to stuff them down and say like, go out and um, party with your friends or just like watch Netflix and drink wine instead of, you know, maybe processing in a healthier way, which could be journaling, it could be exercising, it could be coaching therapy, whatever it is. But when you actually allow yourself to feel whatever it is you're feeling, not judge it, you don't need to put a label to it your feeling will actually transform. Like Gabby Bernstein says, like when you allow yourself to feel a feeling for 90 seconds, it will transform. You'll notice when you just start to breathe through it, you know, the feeling of anger will start to dissipate and move through your body um, and move out and you can release it. And so it's an exercise in doing this again and again to help you really move on from your past relationship. So I would say that's the number one thing. And then there's just a lot of other tools like journaling, such a big one. And really just learning how to focus on yourself instead of dwelling on the other person. So shifting out of victim mindset, like why me? Or how could this person do that to me? It's like, okay, well, how was I involved in this relationship? How was I showing up? And how do I want to show up going forward in future relationships? And really just taking some time to reflect on yourself and bettering your life for yourself than, again, dwelling and please, please, please stop following your ex on social media, please. <laughs> I was going to say, do we have to cut them all off right away from social media? How long, like, do you have rules around this? <laughs> so my rule of thumb is if you don't have any reason that you need to be in contact with your ex, and one of the only reasons I can think of is children, like co-parenting, um, I recommend going no contact, at least in the beginning. I don't have a defined timeline but it's really going to help your healing process. You know, I have seen people where they say, ah, no, we had like an amicable split, an amicable divorce, and we're going to try to be friends. But really, like when that person keeps, every time you see a message from that person, right, or every time they pop up in your newsfeed, it's going to trigger you. It's yeah. going to cause stress and anxiety, and it's not going to help you heal and move on. So definitely block or unfollow. Have that conversation if you can have a real conversation with your ex. 
um, or just like block them altogether if it wasn't a good ending. Um, and just really take the time to focus again only on yourself. And heck, maybe just take a break from social media for a while because that can also lead you down into a, a negative state of comparison like you, you mentioned earlier. Yes, a good detox from social media. It's always a good thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Another thing I think um, needs to be talked about is learning to trust again because I think a lot of people, this is also usually what happens if we don't take the time to do what you just talked about. Uh, we project our past relationships on to our new relationships if we actually don't work through our own issues and again if we're attracting the same things so but it can be difficult for instance especially if you've been cheated on or you know abused or whatever so how do we kind of learn to trust again and not think that every next guy is like an asshole you know what I mean uh, this is so good this is Definitely something that I have had to deal with again and again. And the number one thing you can do is recognize that this person is not your ex. I try to go into every relationship, romantic or otherwise, right? Friendship, just seeing the good in people. And you can go into it trusting them until they give you a reason not to trust them. So of course things are going to come up, right? Like for example, like one of my triggers was my ex would always stay at work really late or like he wouldn't come home sometimes and it just like weird thing weird behavior things like that and so you know I was dating someone and he was always working late and immediately I thought oh gosh something's wrong he like what is he doing is he actually in the office or is he avoiding me da, da, da. and then I remembered okay no he is not my ex that's the number one thing you have to realize is this person is not your ex because things are going to trigger you there's no getting around that and then separating that. And so then if you're someone who suffers from like codependency or anxiety, also take a moment to breathe and ask yourself if what you're feeling is real and if it's what you're feeling is like based on a truth, right? And are you feeling something because again, you're being triggered from the past or are you feeling something because this person is actually not treating you the way you want to be treated? And if that's the the case, then go ahead and have the adult conversation because a lot of us are also afraid of um, maybe being honest or vulnerable and for fear of pushing that new partner away. But if you're going to go back into old behavioral patterns, like maybe you didn't speak up a lot in your last relationship, now is the perfect time to do the opposite because then you're really going to get to being with that right partner. Awesome. Love it. So another thing I want to talk about is I always like tying everything into health, obviously, because it's all connected. Everything on the Addicted to Healthy podcast is about health. Um, obviously, we talked about emotional health. So, of course, relationships do affect your emotional health, um, which also affects your physical health. But what did you, if you did notice anything with your different relationships, toxic and non-toxic, did you notice them affect your health physically and emotionally? Ooh. Well, emotionally, yes. Um, I definitely had a lot of anxiety in some of my relationships, um, toxic and not toxic. But I think that was coming from a place of coming from like a previous emotionally abusive relationship or a toxic relationship and feeling like it might happen to me again. Um, physically, I would say you know, like I've noticed my weight has like fluctuated um, and I don't pay attention to that so much, but it's when other people would be like, oh, you lost weight. And I'm like, oh, well, I did just go through a breakup. 
and then, you know, or I'll be with someone and like, we're really happy. And then I'm like, I'm just like eating more maybe like, I don't know if that's, <laughs> if that's, you know, honestly, it's just like my body just kind of goes through like a little bit of like cyclical patterns. But, um, I think emotionally is like the biggest one for me. And then energy levels too. Like I feel like when I've been in relationships that have kind of weighed me down or I'm not certain about the future, if we should be together, I'm like tired all the time. Definitely. Yeah. I see that as a big one too. It definitely does affect all areas of your life. So it's Mm -hmm. really important obviously to not just ignore something as we spoke about. Um, You know, if it's, not making you happy, then you need to have that conversation for sure because it's just going to become worse and it's going to affect every area of your life. So I think that's really important to understand as well. They're not just like compartments, like relationship compartment, there's like a door and then your health, like they're all connected, right? Um, Then I want to talk a little bit about self-love, especially in like self-care because this word comes up a lot and we did talk a little bit about it. Um, but why is this an important step in moving on from a relationship and developing a new one? And how do we actually practice that? Because a lot of us, unfortunately, do not love ourselves. We don't love our bodies and we just don't even know how to apply that. So Mm -hmm. what would your tips be for that? Um, I'd say self-love is really just being at peace with who you are. And also understanding who you are, like really at your core. We talked about your authentic self and showing up like that in your relationships. So, you know, learning how to appreciate yourself for who you are and then being able to grow as well. Like, I feel like we're always evolving and that's a beautiful thing. So your level of love towards yourself definitely influences all your decisions in your life. It influences all your relationships in your life. And so as a single person, this, I would say, is the perfect time or if you, even if you're in a relationship right now, to learn how to put yourself first and discover what makes you happy. So for me, again, it took that trigger of going through a divorce and then being like, you know what? I'm not happy. I'm not happy with myself. I feel like this is partially my fault. Um, you know, So I'm like, what could make me happy? So that's the first thing. What can make me happy? Grab a journal, start listing out things that bring joy to your life or start reflecting on what it means for you to live an exceptional life. What does that look like to you? And you'll start to see patterns and keywords and things that you can kind of like circle like, wow, I never really thought about it, but like travel really lights me up or connecting with other people, being able to use my voice, dancing around the room, just little things. No, it doesn't have to be a huge life changing thing, but like taking the time to turn inward is a really good practice for self-love and self-care because we're often so disconnected from our bodies that we don't even really know what's going on. We don't really even know what makes us happy. And so if you can even just take five to 10 minutes to yourself each day in the morning or at night and cultivate a little ritual, a self-love ritual or a practice, which could include journaling, uh, light breath work or meditation, visualization, just thinking about, you know, you showing up and life like what it mean for you to love yourself and love who you are and even if you don't feel that way right now starting to ask yourself like how would I show up if I love myself and what kind of decisions would I be making and then when you really get to that place and you start acting that way you're going to really start to attract the right kinds of people into your life 
I love it. And yes, it's really about the baby steps. It's like practicing every day. I think Mm -hmm. one of the best ways, as you mentioned, is the ritual, the morning and nighttime routine. That's been helpful for me and so many of my clients too, not just for like, you know, emotional well-being, but also physical health and everything and, you know, shifting your mindset. Um, But that's also becomes kind of more ingrained because we actually it becomes a habit, right? So you're actually do it every day. It's not something that you forget. The more you do it, the more you're going to, you're going to do it. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a great tip, especially um, in the morning or at night or both if you can do it. And switching gears a little bit, because I know you are an expert on female solo travel. I know you travel a lot. Um, this is kind of a passion that we both have. And I think it's something that's is really interesting, especially now with women who are going off on their own, becoming more independent, you know, traveling and everything. It can be a little bit nerve wracking though. So who would you say female solo travel is for? Is it not for certain people? I would say it's definitely for anyone who is looking to learn more about themselves. Um, So therefore, I believe it's for everyone because who doesn't want to learn more about themselves? So if you're looking to, you know, feel more confident, if you are looking to heal or like gain more independence, meet new people, travel, 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 because there are just so many lessons to be learned from solo travel. And I think that anyone can try it at least once. Um, So even if you're like, nope, I'm never going to do that. That sounds like a terrible idea. I would encourage you to be open-minded. It doesn't have to be when you're living out of a backpack, it can be a weekend getaway. You can drive to a neighboring town you've never explored, take yourself out on a date, uh, go for a little hike. Really spending that time with yourself is going to just help you get to know yourself even more. And again, it also comes back to loving yourself more because you're going to start to really trust yourself and that's really going to help you in all your relationships. I love that you mentioned like the little trips, like even it doesn't even have to be overnight because I think a lot of people think that oh, it's either I have to go backpacking in like Mexico Mm -hmm. or something or that's it pretty much. Whereas you can totally go on a trip even in your own hometown. It doesn't have to be like a huge leap. It can be like a baby step. So I love that you mentioned that. Um, And then what would you say we should be aware of? Obviously, it also depends on like what country you're going to. Um, But what do we have to be aware of when it comes to traveling solo, especially as a female? So before I go anywhere, I like to get in Facebook groups. So like Girls Love Travel Facebook group is a really good one. Um, And I look up the place I'm going and then I see what other women are saying. So that's helpful because you also don't really want to listen to all the people that are just leading from fear that have never been there and they've never done it, but they're going to start projecting onto you. Mm -hmm. So I definitely think joining Facebook groups, reading blogs, um, getting information like that would be really helpful. Um, And then it's also a way that you can make friends and connections before you even arrive. Just because you're solo traveling doesn't mean you have to be alone the entire time. Like quite the contrary, you're going to meet people, you're going to meet other badass women that are traveling by themselves and you guys can link up. Um, And then I also check just my country's travel warnings just to see if there's anything crazy. But I also like to check the perspective of other countries because the United States sometimes can be a little over the top. I've been to quite a few countries that they don't recommend going to and I've been perfectly fine. I've just been like smart, you know, like just like general precautions, even that I follow in Mexico City here. Like I don't go out by myself at night walking around, for example, past a certain time. 
um, using the buddy system, using authorized taxis or Ubers if they have it versus hailing a strange car on the street. Little things like that can just make your trip even more secure and enjoyable. And what are your favorite places, especially for female travel? Mm, so good. So <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely um, biased to Mexico because I live in Mexico and I've gotten to travel a lot of it. And it's actually really, people here are so friendly, so helpful. Even if you don't speak Spanish, you can really get by. Um, and there's like a good mix of like pe people from outside of the country with locals. And I feel like it's pretty easy as a female. Um, you know, certain places I had a little more of a challenging time in other countries but I would say Colombia is one of my favorite countries. Again, they're super warm, welcoming, friendly. And then I've also been to other parts of the world. So like Southeast Asia is really good for um, female travel and solo travel in general. It's just pretty easy to get around. And there's a lot of women doing it. I did my first like kind of big trip for like a month. And I think I was, was in my late 20s. And I remember meeting all of these women that were like 18, 19, 20. And I was like, wow, I can't believe they're traveling by themselves at such a young age. And I started to see people doing this in that part of the world. And um, it was really cool. So definitely like Thailand, Vietnam, Indonesia, those are all great places as well. Awesome. And then just to end off, do you have any other tips to prepare properly if you are going on a solo trip in a foreign country? Yes. Well, I definitely recommend traveling light um, for a variety of reasons. Um, and so I actually put together a little guide how to travel light because I traveled with a carry-on backpack for a year. And if I can do it, anyone can. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, it just helps you. You're more mobile. Um, there's just, you have less to keep up with. I um, mean, you really don't need that much. And you also can learn how to be happy with less. And so that's like a big tip I have. And you want to be comfortable as well. So, you know, you want to get the right kind of backpack or suitcase um, and just like understand like before you go, are you taking buses or are you planning, training? Like, how are you getting around? Because you really want to be comfortable and able to like carry your luggage up, you know, 10 flights of stairs if you have to do that. <laughs> Totally. Love it. Thank you so much for all of that. That was so enlightening and informative. Um, really, really awesome. So we just want to, um, before we hop off, I just want to talk a little bit about what you do. Let the audience know how to find you. I do know that you have a coaching program that you're enrolling for. So if you want to talk about that, uh, let us know what's going on. Yes. So I offer relationship coaching for single women or women that are looking to leave their current relationship, but maybe don't know how they're afraid. They're not sure. Um, and so I do this through private coaching, like one-on-one -on -one virtual coaching, and I offer a holistic approach. So mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual. And I also put on retreats on occasion. So the best way to find me and get in touch with me to see what's going on is on Instagram at Asia Dawn or on my website, which is asiadawn.co. And you can see what I have going on there. You can send me a message and I would love to talk with you further about, you know, this chapter in your life as a single woman. Amazing. Well, we have, we will have all the links in the show notes so you guys can click on that and check her out. Uh, I highly recommend it, at least Instagram, because yeah, we're mostly active on there, but <laughs> amazing stuff. I love everything that you do. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing your knowledge and your passion and all of that. Um, it's been really, really awesome. Thank you so much for having me. It was really fun.